for over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night, no matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. And we're back on all new Keep It. I'm Ira Madison III. I'm Louis Fertel. Ooh, Ira, your voice today. Getting into the, the velvety depths. I'm sick. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got the Delta variant. Oh, I see. Which, by the way, mm. my new thing is that drag queens should change their name every couple months with a new pun. Mm. Not that drag queens are often named after puns anymore, but Delta variant for two months is the perfect drag queen name. Somebody. Mm, has been available an option. Yeah. Louis, step up to the plate, bitch. Do I something. know. You're right. But yeah. What? Phys- <laughs> physician, heal thyself. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, hello. My name is Aida Osman. Um, I still have an internal migraine from Pride Weekend, so let's just be careful. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm sick from Pride Weekend or something. I don't know. I'm just glad I don't have the um, Jet Blue variant. Yeah, the Southwest. Ugh. The Spirit variant, you know. <laughs> God forbid. I'm still, I'm still collecting Sky Miles while I have mm-hmm. a sore throat. The Frontier <laughs> variant. Yeah, the United. Spirit Airlines jokes, actually always funny to me. Like, I'm not over it yet. If you make a joke about crashing into the ocean on a Spirit Airlines flight, I laugh. It's an airline that will kill you. I don't care how much they pay us. I'm flying Spirit. And I'm taking my Louis bag on the Spirit flight. Okay. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. <laughs> that's what that's what Issa Rae's going to send you around on? Spirit. Yeah, private. Nobody on the plane, just me. Are you telling us some things about Issa Rae Presents? Yeah. Issa, Issa, come on, get the bag up, girl. Get the bag up. I want to be united. I want to fly united. (laughs) That's one of the interesting things about the WGA that people don't know about is if you work on a show or something and they fly you somewhere, they have to fly you first class. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't realize why that was, but I realized if they didn't have that rule, they could just send you on any airplane in any seat and basically ruin your life, I guess. so You know they would. (laughs) Ruin your life. (laughs) (laughs) I am very happy to be going back to in-person writing rooms because I want to point out that the pandemic got a lot of people really fucked up with how they like um don't do basic tenets of like what a job should be anymore hmm. exactly exactly this is gonna be some wga complaining should have saved it for keep it but mm. you know how you get like lunch at work right and an endless supply of lacroix when a pandemic happened absolutely gone oh yeah oh my lunch situation flew off the rails i was sitting at home yeah i was like templeton and charlotte's web just like piling (laughs) a table of food into my mouth yeah (laughs) or there'd be like water for you to drink i feel like that's a thing too with like even not just wga and writers rooms like people who work in offices right you know access to certain like coffee or water things during the day right that are Mm -hmm. The basic sort of comforts that are provided in an office that, you know, once people aren't there anymore, the whole thing of not having people in offices anymore is a way to just not treat your employees like you care about them. Yeah. And also at this point, I need like an addendum to my vision insurance. Like I need help. I need eye appointments. I've had to be on the screen for what, a year and a half now? 
things are fading. Things are fading very quickly for me. Vision insurance is always the most confusing to me in the world, to be honest, because it's always attached to your health insurance. Mm -mm. But I feel like I can never find it. They didn't give you guys a lunch stipend at all? No, I didn't get no lunch stipend. Oh, I forgot. I forgot to ask. Maybe I should have worked for a black woman. See, there we are. (laughs) (laughs) I I have no contacts or glasses or anything yet. And that's actually kind of terrifying. I know one day my vision will fail me and I am utterly illiterate when it comes to what to do about your eyes so just to let you know there's a lingering fear even if you don't have vision problems that you will have vision problems you'll be flipping through trivia books unable to read them Ugh. oh yeah no that that'll be like the climactic scene in the like oscar doc about me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> benedict cumberbatch like going through trivial pursuit cards crying you'll be blind on jeopardy that was me flattering myself by choosing benedict cumberbatch but anyway yeah I don't think there's another option. Yeah. Lewis, I think that's the one for you. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. No. Lucas Hedges, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stomping around New York in them boots. Oh, yeah. Did we discuss that? He's with no. uh, Tommy Dorfman, and they were outfitted. I mean, Lucas Hedges' outfit was very coyote, somehow uglier. I mean, there we go. <laughs> we gave him too much power. I adore that boat, but they looked like they were running from the mob and ducked into a wasteland. <laughs> And picked up, um, picked up some uh, used clothes to throw on and hide. Yeah, I mean, I would say they looked fierce, but also it, it looked a little haphazard. If, if I were running a fashion blog, it would be a conundrum for me to oh, say both God. the supportive thing and the critical thing. Oh God! <laughs> I just found the photos. You see it. You see. I it. prompt everyone who's listening to go look this up right now. Just look up Lucas Hedges boots. Uh-uh. Okay, the Margella like tabby shoes just need to stop. I'm tired of seeing them. <laughs> I mean, he boots the the house down, the apartment <laughs> complex, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the tenements. <laughs> boots the whole cul-de-sac. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's the hairbands on the wrist for me. Oh, that's another one, Lewis. Add the it's the da 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 for me. It's the blank for me. Sorry, oh. Lewis and I were complaining earlier about gay lexicon. Of course, it trickles down from black culture, but I'm so tired of hearing the same three things of amongst all my gay friends. We have no variety. Also, it is literally three things. Yes. It is every sentence. I mean, like this entire weekend, which I spent with lovely people in San Francisco, 99% of them now speak in like three like chatty Cathy phrases for gay people, <laughs> which are one, not blank. So everything is not the blank. Mm. Um, n- not me being gay. Not me. <laughs> not number me. one. Uh, not me running into my ex at Starbucks. Right. That, that's exactly it. <laughs> Num- number two, the way blank. The way I can't stop being gay at Pride. Like, again, it's like, <laughs> is, is that a statement even? What are we saying at this point? You're simply speaking. It's just dependent clauses. That's how, yes. how we communicate. <laughs> And then, of course, the it's the blank for me. It's oh. the gay people at this Pride event for me. Girl, where, <laughs> we, where was we supposed to go? <laughs> where else? What do we have? Uh. Uh. And by the way, it's infectious. It, like, worms into your brain, too. I don't think I ended up saying it, but God knows, like, I had the, like, dry heave impulse to say them <laughs> a few times. And I... Try not to speak in cliches. And by that, I mean, I still do my own other cliches, but I don't, I don't have room to adopt any others. I think also as writers and people who are, you know, familiar with um, the 
evolution of language and like, you know, like creating different pieces of language with ourselves, those things maybe hit us harder. Because I, I have used those phrases before, obviously, as a black person, as a gay person. But there comes a point where you are, like, even if you're texting it out, right? Uh, and you're like, why am I still using this? Yeah. Exactly. Or it just feels weird. Exactly. It feels the, like the t- taste of it feels weird in your mouth. So you start using something else. Uh, some people don't get that taste. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. They're taking cues from the other people. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Upcycle. Yeah. We should start something here. Yeah, we got to come up We got to come up with something new. We deserve a lingo. Let's do it by the end of this episode. How about silence? How about everybody just quiet the fuck down? A gay <laughs> quietude just needs to, <laughs> needs to lull over the crowd. Well, this isn't an ASMR podcast, so <laughs> we're going to come up with some gay slang <laughs> before the episode's over. Drum on this <laughs> microphone. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, everybody. Also, I don't think I'm sick. I think we just lift. I think I just let the heat on in my room, and that's why my throat is dry. Mm. Who can say? Anyway, uh, we're going to talk about Britney this week. Mm-hmm. Free her. We're going to talk about the BET Awards. Free us. <laughs> <laughs> there is no more complex topic in my mind than Queen Latifah. We'll get into it. Ooh, mm. juicy. And we will be joined by a real icon, Nico Anon yes. from P Valley. And a recent guest hosting gig on Legendary. In which he's fabulous, so. Yes. Uh, and did not get drawn and quartered on the show like Tiffany Haddish did. <laughs> <laughs> drawn and quartered. <laughs> underrated phrase. Thank you for that. It's up there with card and feathered. So thank you for reminding me. Uh, all right. We'll be right back. Last week, just like Velma Kelly, Mm. Britney Spears took the stand. (laughs) She spoke on her own behalf with more passion than she has ever been able to in her 12 years under her father's legal conservatorship as she pleaded her case for her independence. And I just want to say for everybody in Britney Spears' family who is not her current boyfriend, it's on site. (laughs) (laughs) Even Jamie? even Jamie Lynn, okay? We go get into her. Okay. We go get into Zoe okay. 101. Okay. Okay. Because okay. <laughs> Zoe 101 has lost her damn mind. <laughs> first things first, we, we, we talked about the conservatorship before um, when we watched the um, Framing Britney Spears doc. Mm-hmm. The conservatorship is a case where a judge appoints a responsible person or organization to care for another adult who cannot take care of their own selves or manage their own finances and we all remember the era when britney was put under the conservatorship you know yeah which is a long ago era we're talking yeah, like 13 2008 years yeah yeah no less like, than seven million years ago perez hilton still had clicks and <laughs> when you said his name three times he didn't appear in a mirror and um ask you to pay attention to him <laughs> he hadn't yet apologized to ellen for being mean or whatever it was i actually do find perez hilton somewhat underrated historically in terms of tabloid culture that said he also was could be mean anyway moving moving along <laughs> I think everyone was so shocked to hear um, the audio of her in court. Mm. I don't know what any of us were expecting. You know, we've seen these Instagram videos that clearly her team makes her record uh, where she sounds loopy, 
um, sounds like her voice is choppy. Um, it seems like she's being held at gunpoint uh, while making these Instagram videos. Um, and she sounded so lucid and like coherent. Yeah. And so I think that was what was most shocking to me. Um, speaking about wanting her independence, uh, it sounded like a woman who knew exactly what she wanted. Well, I, I feel two ways about it. I thought she was sometimes lucid and then sometimes like repeating the same phrase several times. Now that did not make me discredit anything she said, but it was weird. It's, it was like yet another Instagram video of hers and that I had like two or three layers of analyses going on of like, is she okay even right now? Mm-hmm. Additionally, she did make her point. Like mm-hmm. she went through it step by step. And I would say she did herself proud in that. Like we had as just onlookers, even casual onlookers, even people who aren't like avidly a part of the free Britney movement had lots of questions. And I think she answered most of them. So definitely. I also think that I'm just now finding out from her testimony that her family had put her on lithium for many, many years. Mm. And I wonder if it doesn't seem like she's medicated at all when she's giving this testimony. It's so lucid. It's so clear. She knows exactly what she's saying. Like you said, Lewis, I think the only times I saw maybe cracks in the armor was when she would bring up like Paris Hilton or Miley Cyrus or just hearing the kind of like justified resentment she had held for what she'd had to see through all these 13 years of the conservatorship was making me mostly just sad. Not, not again, not distrusting or questioning, but you could see the moments where the emotionality was coming out. And I'm actually surprised she was that stoic, that able to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. After all those years of, build up specifically but specifically about how it made me feel sad like for instance this last weekend was a pride weekend i went in san francisco in new york tell us again remind us Louis. <laughs> we didn't know yes, okay she was in dolores park okay you get it. you're gay <laughs> when she's sitting in dolores she's really sitting in dolores <laughs> but of course i ended up hearing a lot of britney spears music this weekend and like while i'm appreciative of that fact a part of me also didn't want to listen to her music after yeah. all this. It was like too, it was just too sad in a way. I don't know. It's like I, I wanted to celebrate her, but not like that in a way. Because like the music reminded me of the work she had to do. And like the, and I don't know how much of that she really wanted to do, even though during her testimony, she talked about being a pro and choreographing her tours that she had to do and things. It was just, I, I was so conflicted about her as a performer at all, having to perform, that hearing her music again felt jarring mm-hmm. shameless plug here really quickly but um the episode my episode of betty came out and we had written a scene where some of the girls are dancing the toxic by britney spears and at the time we was like oh Brittany, go get that money you know in our heads not being mm-hmm. fully aware of the conservatorship and now watching my episode back and seeing the girls dancing the toxic a beautiful moment wonderful ethereal go check it out but I'm like, damn, that stupid, stupid father of hers got all that money. <laughs> Whatever it is, the little sink money, the little placement money that the Bernie estate got. It's just, it's devastating. And I, oh, that man could full die. I hate her dad so much. Well, I mean, that's a thing that happens with a lot of music, right? You know, it's like... um whatever your feelings about, you know, like Dr. Luca Kesha situation, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, you want to be like, I'm not supporting any of his new music that he's making, you know, to make a point. But then it's, um, anytime you listen to like a classic song that wasn't a Max Martin song in like the 2000s in pop music, it was usually a Dr. Luke song. So yeah. if you're listening to like, since you've been gone, He's still getting his coins. Which girl we are. So, you know, reevaluate the playlist. Oh, oh, I will be listening to Since You've Been Gone. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm listening to it now. 
<laughs> mouthing. <laughs> He's been mouthing the lyrics the whole time. I ever stopped. But that's the thing, you know? It's like you wonder how much money Jamie is making off of this. You, It's like Blackout, her seminal album, the one the fans keep coming back to yeah. and saying it's perfect, uh, even though um, In the Zone and um, Femme Fatale made some points. Um, Blackout <laughs> is the one that specifically, like, there's always the jokes that, like, did she even know what was going on when she was recording this, right? And I'm like, mm. she probably didn't. Yeah. And that's technically before the conservatorship when she recorded that album? Yeah, that was the era that led to the conservatorship. Got it. Right, right, right. Because I know she's recorded three albums technically under the conservatorship, and Mm -hmm. that is not one of them. Britney Jean is all Jamie's fault. (laughs) Clearly. Teaming her up with Will I Am. Come on. Oh, no, wait. Oh, wait, excuse me. Are we talking about Scream and Shout? Because I've already defended that show on this air, and I will do it again. No, Scream and Shout <laughs> is good, but because of the success of Scream and Shout, oh. the entire album, Britney Jean, was then produced by Will I Am, and it is better than you remember, but it is a mess. Does that have perfume on it? It does. Perfume okay. and Alien. Perfume, <laughs> the vocals to me sounded like maybe they were recorded backwards first and then played back forwards. <laughs> I do kind of like that song. <laughs> <laughs> also, I think, well, I mean, of course, the whole thing is painful to hear. The whole story is painful. I think hearing Britney talk about the fact that her children were kept from her, she wasn't allowed to remove her IUD, which, mm-hmm. what in the Dr. Kevorkian, what in the yeah. Frankenstein's monster, like, that's medieval Victorian practices. It's just evil. It's so evil. And uh, I... Did she not tack that onto the end of her... Yeah, testimony yeah. too that was, it was like this third act what like mm-hmm. really unbelievable well the thing about you even mentioning like um miley or um paris um and then like me even talking about will i am right producing an album with her yeah. i think what's really interesting about this is um at a certain point within the conservatorship once britney sort of moved to like the vegas um show um yeah. it sort of became a given that she was just sort of like oh she's spending time with her family like she's like she is out of the like regular being a celebrity life you know um and now you sort of get that that wasn't really of her own accord mm-hmm. and prerogative <laughs> <I need it. laughs> carry on carry on um and you get that from people like Christina Aguilera making a statement about you know how she supports Britney um and about how like no woman should ever have her independence um or rights taken away from her like this and it's so many of Britney's contemporaries people she probably was friends with prior to this have had no contact with her for like over a decade yeah at least you know She's had no contact with other people who know what she's going through. Um, when she was even talking about how she can't even have contact with um, the friends she's made in um, AA, mm-hmm. it reminds you that like this woman has no contact with anyone in the outside world. Like she's fucking Princess Peach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a miracle that she's able to like the clips we've seen of her mother and her children are doing an amazing job at it. Like it's a miracle. She's such a strong person to be able to have the wherewithal to like keep going on. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say fuck Jamie Lynn. Yeah, speak on it. Because she g- given a little statement being like, um, you know, uh, I don't want to be accused of anything. You know, like this conservatorship, you know, has like nothing to do with me, doesn't affect me. You know, I don't care. Brittany, you know, like wants to run out to the jungle or something, have like a thousand kids. I'm like, you sound flip mm-hmm. about um, a situation that has yeah. paid yeah, you. Yeah, I, I, I didn't get the tone. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Nobody is living off of Zoe 101 checks. Okay. Yeah, but you know what? 
we have to consider that if Brittany's gone through that level of abuse, I can't even imagine what the younger sister has gone through as well. Maybe it's a quieter abuse. But for the first headline article I read to be like, Lynn speaks out about the conservatorship and she says, not that I owe the public anything. Like to preface it with that, I know something is wrong. Like you are not of the right mental, you're not there. You're not fully there. So yeah, I mean, listen, I would love, you know, Zoe to t- enroll into Zoe 201, <laughs> find out what's really going on. Don't let Miranda Cosgrove hear you talking like this, okay? Because this is what she, you know, not taking her whole steez. Listen, I would never go against my queen, Miss Cosgrove, because the new <laughs> iCarly is actually it. Ugh, uh, it is. It's very funny. Uh, Lacey Mosley is hilarious on it, as usual. Also, I've been a Miranda Cosgrove, like, low-key, like, okay. stand for a minute. She's got some bops. Sparks Fly? Yes, they do. Yes, Sparks Fly. Also, Face of Love, um, this song that she made um, off this, like, EP um, that, that Dancing Crazy was initially on, like, is not on Spotify, but it's on Apple Music. It's it. And she made the song Sayonara with Greg Kirsten from The Burden to Be, one of my favorite fucking music producers. He's worked with Kelly Clarkson, Pig, everybody. Uh, he's the one who did mostly all of um, Nick Jonas's Spaceman album, which is why it's so good. So, oh, cool classic, yeah. Isn't it crazy that Nick Jonas will one day pass away and he'll be at the gates of heaven and somebody will almost welcome him in and then they will say, oh wait, it says here you rhymed jealous with hellish. Um, straight wow. to the underworld. Straight to the underworld, bitch. Wow, First of all, he fixed it by doing a cover of the whole song with a whole black gospel choir, okay? That's where he rectified. That's where he, he fixed it. That's repenting, Lewis. Uh, I, want him, I want him being escorted out of heaven as Tanache is going into heaven. And she's right. like, Nick J? And he's like, Tanache? <laughs> Uh, as Lil Nas X says, yes, right. Yeah, and Priyanka gives him an insulin shot. Oh wait, but wait. If we're talking about guiding lights uh, in terms of conscience and reason, we must turn to Justin Timberlake, who sanctify him, Lewis. Yes, yes. he went on a long tweet for, in the way that Christina Aguilera did. Also, obviously, all three of these people are former Mickey Mouse Club members, um, and he said things he should say, like, no woman should ever be restricted from making decisions about her own body. But he also started his post by saying, regardless of our past, good and bad, girl, who cares about your past? Stop See, bringing you up. That is why I did not care for his initial apology to Britney and Janet. And here, in his statement of support for Britney, he still has to be like, you know, please don't drag me for the stuff I did. Like, bitches, shut up. Also, is like, is he bringing up that she cheated on him? Like, who cares? Not Jermaine. Stop talking about that. Also, I don't believe he believes a woman should do whatever she wants with her body, because otherwise he wouldn't have the song Rock Your Body. Exactly. You mean the, the song that I famously believe ended with, I'm going to dip your naked body into this sauce when it's, I'm going to have you naked by the end of this song. Guys, what is wrong with me? Oh, my God. Baby, clean your ears. Get <laughs> a dip, you naked, into this sauce. <laughs> <laughs> now you saying Jermaine and me going, what did Dupree say about this? Uh, right? Uh, <laughs> did you hear, like, a version of the song for BW3s or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, I've realized some people don't know that. Buffalo Wild Wings, Wings is, yes. BW, yeah. is BW3s. They don't, they don't call it that. 
some places. We just call it B-dubs. Mm. That and Buffalo Wild Wings. Though if I say B-dubs, you, sh- you shouldn't hear those words coming out of my mouth is all I'm saying. <laughs> Something's wrong. Put it on your headstone. Mm. That's what I used to call Brian Wilson. <laughs> oh, that's oh, well, uh, B-dubs, when we, when we used to hang out. Oh, you no. know. And I always think, wouldn't it be nice? You know what? Most importantly, what did K-Fed say? K-Fed... I don't know, girl. The most important opinion on this whole thing. The singer of Popo's out. <laughs> I am ashamed to admit, I was trying to just think of that word just now, and I did not have it. Thank you for having Papa's out right on the tip of your tongue. <laughs> that song was a bop. I don't know about that. Did I say that? Okay, first of all, <laughs> listen. I mean, you're not going to get Popo's out the first time you hear it, okay? okay? I mean, it's not like anything you've ever heard before. It has to grow on you. Oh, girl, it, it's like Finnegan's Wake, bitch. I better read it a second time. The second or third time, you know, you're going to be For like, whoa, what is this? This is great. <laughs> My mic has fully fallen over. Like I'm, <laughs> you just sent me into a state I should not have been in. Okay. Uh, I think I've admitted on this podcast before that I've seen um, Kevin Federline live. I'm sure you have. I'm sure you loved it. You pre-ordered tickets. During the Popo's Out era, he did a concert at the House of Blues in Chicago. There was a while. There was a while where any white man with a fitted hat and a long shirt could not escape the Kevin Federline comparison mm. at no. all. Bubba Sparks still running, still running from yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> He's not running from nothing. <laughs> Have you seen Bubba Sparks? Uh, I wish Donnie Klang had avoided those um, comparisons because he was good. Do you remember Donnie? Wait, who? Donnie Klang. He was the white singer on um, the Making the Band where he did he create it, the boy group, oh. Day 26. Oh, no, I don't remember that, but if, uh, naturally mm. you do. Thank you for that. Yes, I still, I, still, I still listen to his album, okay? He did what needed to be done. I don't understand, Diddy. What is Day 26? Not even an Equinox date. What is the thing? What? Why? I don't know. Day 26 was the people in making the band four after Danny D. Kane was made. And they only got one album, so... Maybe they got two. I, yeah, but I sing Showstopper every day, so... Of course. Prominence was achieved <laughs> yeah anyway should we wrap up this britney situation i of course now the next step is it feels like this is going to progress in some sort of ugly way where we're going to be hearing from the other side about her and i'm like bracing for that in a way but no i'll tell you how it's going to end lewis mm. i've already bought my ticket with a few other freedom fighters okay uh and we will be storming the mansion oh got it <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't gonna store the. Ca- I feel like I feel like there's two types of Americans: the Americans uh, who would storm the Capitol, and the Americans who would storm Britney Spears' mansion. Yeah, actually, maybe there's some overlap. It's you and Britney against the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, against her father. Right. Yeah. Excuse me. I'm actually never mind. Let me not say this because Ira, your name is literally Ira the Third. But I was about to say I don't trust anyone who names their child their name. <laughs> Well, but to daughters, be fair, but daughters, but daughters, there's something creepy about it. I don't trust my mother. <laughs> she's a Scorpio. Oh, yeah, she's a demon. Mm. Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> I love her. Uh, <laughs> this is where I read that she's been in conservatorship for the past 15 years. <laughs> uh, I've been in my own conservatorship. I am my own conservator. <laughs> Pulitzer Prize winning play. I am my own conservator. Yes. yes. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> so the way you're giving Sylvia Plath, giving, that's another one. That's the fourth one I'm adding to this. Oh, girl, it's yes. giving, giving girl. Sylvia Plath. <laughs> the, girl, the girl saw Legendary once, and now ev- uh, all the time they're like, it's giving. It's not giving what it's supposed to give, okay? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> it's giving going to the store. You, you could just say, oh, you went to the store. <laughs> right. If you can just replace the beginning of the sentence with I, do it. <laughs> All right. Well, we're back. Nico Anon joins us. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see Footprints in the Sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Our guest today is an actor, dancer, and choreographer, Triple Threat. Uh, you may know him as Uncle Clifford on Stars as P Valley, and he is also a guest judge on season two of Legendary on HBO Max. Please welcome Nico Anon. Okay. Hello. What's going on? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> we have to start with Legendary because I enjoy watching it and if i were tasked with just joining the panel and like having to be authoritative in that situation i would be incredibly intimidated was that like altogether a fun experience or did you go in like nervous at all i mean it was altogether fun for real for real because i love the show you know i'm here for the culture and i've been in quarantine for over a year and i ain't hit a ball in a long ass time so (laughs) (laughs) so so that was its own experience and in terms of like, I guess, being intimidated by the show, I, there was so much that I didn't know what to expect because, you know, 
there was a different producing team from season two than it was from the first season. Uh, you know, first season they had filmed over you know, on the East Coast and second season they had moved to the West Coast. There was no audience. So it was really kind of different. But I'm going to tell you, though, the judges really like welcomed me, you know, Laomi and I have become very good friends, you know, uh, Megan and I, we, you know, we we do it together and do our thing. You know, she actually had me in her um, and myself and Brandy from uh, P Valley in her music video for movie. Mm. Um, so like, it's been a lot of like lasting relationships that have come from Legendary. So I'm I'm, I'm with it. You know, I'm I'm so with it. But it was a lot of fun. It was really cool to just see the creativity and I feel like the financial backing, mm -hmm. you know, you know, we could say producing, you know, that is behind like all the different houses and their ideas that they had for the different balls. So that was really cool. You know, so who who doesn't like having resources? You know? Yeah. I would say we had Leomi on this show and okay. talk about mm -hmm. somebody you definitely want a lasting relationship with. I mean, she was <laughs> Like, dynamite immediately, so I'm very jealous of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's a good cook, too. You know, she had, okay. me, over. <laughs> she had me over to the house. We, What'd she make? She made some barbecue chicken. She put okay. it, she threw it on the grill. Her and her man, you know, had us over, you know, for the grill and had some good old potato salad. Some, um, I, we didn't have no, we had some plantain and banana pudding. It was a big concophony of all the things that you don't want to really have to have, you know, when you're watching your waist. But it was a <laughs> yeah. But it was a great it was great dinner and and that turned into a late night recap and you know and the cocktails and things. So you know we had a good time. Well, so on the panel, you seemed very comfortable, just like being yourself. I mean, you're always you always seem larger than life uh, in anything you do. But really, on this panel, it was truly really like you stepped in and it was like. It was your show. I was like, so what is your oh. history in going to balls? You know what? I am not actually a big ball goer. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, we were, I was on a live uh, last week with uh, Trace Lissette. Mm -hmm. And we were talking, and Laomi came on there too, because it was all about, for me, like Escuelita. Back in the mm -hmm. day, back in New York, you know, I um, I remember I Escalita. You come on, you was at Esco's. Yeah, <laughs> I lived in New York. Uh, I moved there in two thousand seven. Es Esco was still there. Okay, cool. It, it was a big old uh, mess, and 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 just <laughs> everything. It was it was all the things for the good drinks and the good shows, the drag shows, and and uh, it was it, it was all of that. But um. My history mainly and my comfortability kind of came from, I guess, like the dance world and mm -hmm. being able to, you know, really give critiques and seeing themes and lines, you know. Um, I, so I guess my work as a choreographer kind of, it seasoned, the, you know, the tone of it for me. Mm -hmm. More so than actually going to the balls. Okay. Did you find the teams receptive to your criticism? Did you end up fearing any of the teams based on their reactions? <laughs> no, 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 no. Everyone in all the houses were actually really cool. It was actually kind of great to have the, the interaction that we had. Um, I think also everybody was just so hungry because of the quarantine and the distance, you know. So I felt like people, even like other shows that I had done in the quarantine, it was like, you have this mask on and you have a shield on top of that, but you could still feel people like pushing past that to actually kind of connect with another human, especially someone that was not in their household, you know, or someone mm -hmm. that they were around, you know. So everyone's very receptive to, to the vibes and, 
It was a good time. I love that. I love that. And uh, I want to get now to P-Valley, because we have had Katori on the show as well. I adore Katori. Yeah. Uh, and I, Yes. Um, and um, I'm friends with um, Ian, um, who works on the show. With cool. Her. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it's been truly one of the best shows that I've seen um, in the past few years, let alone one of the best shows to come out of quarantine. Okay. And um, <laughs> I just want to ask you about your relationship with Katori going from – I know you were in the stage show playing the same character, mm -hmm. and then you moved to the television show. So mm -hmm. what was that like? Did you, you re-auditioned? I did, you know. <laughs> Katori had me go through the fire, go through the fire. But, you know, I didn't think that that was a bad thing. Mm -hmm. uh, in a lot of ways, with a show like P-Valley, and a show that kind of like really highlights marginalized communities, it could go really well, <laughs> or it could go really left. You know, um, and I think that the audition process for me, it was more so how I felt. And like, she never told me this, but how I felt was, let me have this opportunity to show people this is Uncle Clifford. A lot of times I feel like, especially in the uh, LGBTQ plus community, there are certain limitations and ideas on, oh, this is what quote unquote gay is. This is what lesbianism looks like. This is what a bisexual person, how they would act or dress. And something that even actually, a sidebar, when I was on Snowfall, mm -hmm. John uh, Singleton had said to me, he said, you know, Nico, uh, when I was looking for this role, to cast this role, he said, I was looking for a light skin, and in his terms, he said, a pretty Ricky brother. <laughs> you know, meaning, you know, like a light skin, a, a, a little twink, you know, in, in the culture, we call him a twink, you know, um, someone 5'8", and, you know, under. And he said, when I walked in the room, he was like, oh... You look like you could beat my ass. You know, <laughs> you look like you're the real deal. You know, and I I actually appreciated that because he saw some truth, you know, and I felt like the same thing also with uh, P-Valley because originally, Real Talk, the artistic director, when we did the stage play, mm -hmm. he told me at, at the end of the run, he was like, you know, I really didn't see someone who looked like you as Uncle Clifford, mm. you know? And so I really just really felt that it was a great opportunity. One, I wanted to exercise the acting chops, you know, and, and let's like, okay, let's transfer from the stage to the screen and how is that going to be and feel as an actor? So it was a rehearsal for me. Um, that's how I look at auditions anyway. It's my time to just show you how I work. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. if if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. You know, some people feeling like they want some beef. Some people feel like they want a little pescatarian life going on today. <laughs> so it, it's just, it's just my, however you feeling, you know. Um, so it was a great time. We had a good time in the audition room and they threw all the balls at me and was like, well, try this. And well, well what about this? And who do you think this, 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 this is? So... It was that. Mm. Something I, I love about what you said about playing Uncle Clifford is that the word you used was limitless. And my question about that is, mm -hmm. are there things you've gotten to do that you're surprised you've gotten to do or directions you've gotten to take that um, <laughs> you know w weren't what you expected? That's a great question. I love that because no one has actually made this come to my mind in all this time. So you're good. You're very good. You're <laughs> well, very good. <laughs> stone pros over here. Yeah, real detectives. Yeah. Um, I literally, I'll tell you, before we started shooting season one, 
I was in Katori's office and we were going over some tone things. You know, you have like tone meetings with your showrunner. Like, this is where we're going. This is what we're thinking about. And I was talking about the check cashing scene when Uncle Clifford goes to the check cashing. And we were talking about the look. I was expressing what I thought in my head was going to be the look. And she said, no. (laughs) She was like, no, you just would wear your hair like like Nico, like wear your regular hair, you know, but Uncle Clifford style. Mm -hmm. And I was like, huh? Because it was a moment that opened my eyes to, oh my gosh, I'm really going to be able to be a real person. Mm -hmm. That I wasn't going to have to wear a wig all of the time. That we were really going to see Uncle Clifford on so many levels and... I literally was crying in, on her couch. And she was like, what's wrong with you? And because in my head, I guess, as, especially as a gay man and an artist, as much as I can be bold and audacious, mm-hmm. you still feel the restrictions. You still feel the chains that can be put on you. So when she said that, I was just like, oh, my God, I don't have to wait till season three. You know, and you see Uncle Clifford, like, you know, without a wig. Because I had not read all of the scripts. Mm -hmm. She held all of those things from us. It was literally, you had one script at a time, Mm -hmm. you know. So being exposed to that whole world, it really, like, I was like, oh, snap. I could really, this could be anything. Okay, let's go. Let's go. So, yeah. Your Viola Davis taking off the wig in the mirror scene. (laughs) You got that. Uh, (laughs) I love that because I think that, like, truly when you think about even um, representations of, you know, like, um, black queer people on camera, I think back to the movie that I always used to watch with my family, which was um, To Wong Fu, right? Okay. You know, and I think even in that era, there was that limit of what even drag queens could do whether or not like you look Mm -hmm. back at it now you're like are these drag queens are these trans women because like they're in the costumes the wigs the entire movie Mm -hmm. you know and you watch it now and you think like there's so many different ways that would be told now because they wouldn't have to be dressed up like that Mm -hmm. constantly Mm because drag queens don't do that all the time you know exactly trans it would make sense but you know it's been a wonder to see representations of that sort of change and from the straight people making those films. Yeah. Like, said, with, like John Singleton, people realizing stuff like that. The time that we end really is allowing not only for the members of the community to shine, but the advocates mm-hmm. for the community to really also shine and, and open doors, create space for others, you know, whether that's the writers, other directors, you know, We've had trans women that have directed episodes, you know, that are in the writer's room. People from all different walks and experiences. Yes, come on. The sun is beaming in all of a sudden. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, our ancestors are here. Yeah, God agrees with you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... um, it's it's been an awesome time. I think it's a it's it's a time a, a sign of the time that we're in. You mentioned Tu Wong Fu, and I was sitting here listening with bated breath because I thought you were going to be like me because my movie that I used to sit around and watch was uh, Mannequin. Mm. Oh, duh. oh, Kim with, Cattrall, with Hollywood, yeah. with Kim okay, yeah, yes. and Meshach Taylor, yes. You know what I mean? And to be able to see someone who was so larger than life and and flamboyant. And I just, when, even when in playing Uncle Clifford, I always just thought about, like, what happens when she goes home? What happens, you know, like, when you do 
take the wig off or, or and you still have these nails. It was just so the thought process for me was so um, it was deep. It, it was deep. It kind of took me to places. But I'm going to tell you, I would not have been able to go there had it not been for all of the experiences that I had from even doing the play. Mm-hmm. From when, and when we were doing the play, the director said to me one day, was like, uh, her name was Nataki Garrett. And she said, okay, Nico, we're going to have you go uh, today. We leave rehearsal and you go to get your nails done. And I was like, for what? And they were like, for the role, you know, and they were really going to put the acrylic nails on me. I was going to go get my nails done and have acrylic tips and everything like that. Now, on stage, it's one thing, but for me, we were in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I had never lived in Minnesota before. You know, we're, we're doing regional theater next to the Guthrie Theater, but I don't live here. I have to get on the subway. I have to walk in these neighborhoods. They don't know me. For me, mm-hmm. they were thinking about the show. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about my life. I was thinking about who I was going to have to fight, how many times I was going to have to argue, who, what, and when I was going to have to hide my hands just getting on the subway. And that right there took me to what Uncle Clifford really lives on a daily basis. Mm. That took me to what non-binary people, in however they care to express the things that could go on in their minds. So that gave me an extra layer of sauce and meat to me um, that has been in the performance as well. So Mm. I'm grateful. It definitely shows, by the way. So congrats to you on carrying that with you. I mean, and and now you got me thinking about a mannequin remake. You know, mm-hmm. like give 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 you the Meshach character. Who's who's playing the Kim Cattrall role though? Who do you who do you want to be opposite? Why did Anika Noni Rose just come to my mind? I, I mean, mean why wouldn't she? Iconic. Why wouldn't she come to mind? Yeah. I, I, she really just came to my mind. Anika and Nico, let's go, baby. <laughs> right on the marquee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By the way, I think we're due for a Meshach Taylor reappraisal. Just period. I don't know if I've re- heard the definitive queer telling of what designing women has meant. Just period. You know, we need come that on. Too. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Ooh, that's that was a good Southern Bell drama too. Mm-hmm. And all this Jean Smart come up we're having, we got to have another designing woman look back. Have y'all seen her on um, a Mayor of Easttown? Yes. Oh, I'm a, I'm a human being with a beating heart, aren't I? Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> she is so good, so good. I love her. She's like delicious. She's like lemon meringue pie. <laughs> she is. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had her on here a bit ago, and I'm mad. It was before Mayor. It was before Hacks. She dropped all this content this summer. She's in everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad. I want to get there one day, baby. One day. One day soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and we're ready for season two. When do y'all start shooting? Who says that we haven't? You see the chops are here. Oh, oh that's true. <laughs> yes. Yes. Clifford is in the building. You know <laughs> We should have maybe started this out by saying that Nico is serving, by the way, in this uh, look. They know. He's got they know. Here. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> thank you. You know, I got to kind of represent for the chocolate and for the thickness. You know, I got to keep it. You know, they like it th- 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 thick. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're in the middle of filming right now. Um, okay. It's going to be a while till it gets to the people. But mm-hmm. I'm telling you, the writers, Katori Hall and the writers uh, are really taking us on a whole other kind of freaking journey and i'm like oh yeah ooh, ooh, ooh. we 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 going here okay 
So were people with Katori when she found out she got the Pulitzer again? Were people with her? I think her kid, she was home and she was right. I think she was like working on like episode seven or eight or Mm -hmm. something like that. And she said she just started running around the rooms. I actually, I went and I was hanging out one day with her, her, her two sons and they were like, Nico, mommy was running around screaming. She got some prize from school, like in work. And I was like, oh, you mean the Pulitzer? And they were like, yeah, <laughs> she was running around. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, and Tare, he, react- he reenacted it for me. And um, it was a lot. So. <laughs> it's great, man. You know, I really could not ask for a better boss. When the pandemic started, I was just doing her play Hot Wing King. Which yeah. you know oh, that she yes. won for, right? Yes, I mean, yeah. I didn't, I didn't even bring that up. You know, I saw Hot Wing King. Come on, uh, which was, which was it. <laughs> it was it. I fucking love that show so much. Thank you, so, thank yeah. you. I'm glad it got this because I felt like it was mm-hmm. cut short with the pandemic. It was, it was. We literally thought like, okay, two weeks, we'll be cool, and we'll go back. You know. Uh, and they were like, no, okay, guys, you guys are shut down. Come get your stuff from the dressing rooms before they close the building, you know. But I, it was very that. It was very, very that. But that show is just so special. And I feel so honored, like, as an artist, literally, to be able to to work on material where there's space being created. I, I've been at this a long time. And, you know, P-Valley is not my first time at the rodeo. But, you know, working in New York and off-Broadway and Broadway, all of those things really kind of prepared me for this this kind of a platform. And working with Katori and being in the universe of her creativity, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Likewise. We love that. Yes. We can't wait for yeah. season two. But season one is on Stars right now, so people need to go watch that. And... Go watch Nico's legendary guest spot, too. Yeah. Come on, come on, come on. Hopefully a lot more to come. A lot more to come. Yeah. Wayfair's biggest sale of the year is here. It's Wayday. Right now, you can score up to 80% off at Wayfair. Save on sofas and cookware, dining sets and rugs and beds, wall art, bar cards, floor lamps, sailing fans, home decor, all things outdoor, and way more. All up to 80% off right now. Plus, everything ships free. And flash deals are launching all Wayday long. Don't miss Wayfair's biggest sale of the year. Shop Wayday right now from May 6th at Wayfair.com. Wayfair, every style, every home. On Sunday, the most reliably entertaining award show, the BT Awards, aired. Performances were given, baby announcements were made, and black excellence was celebrated. I don't know who wrote that copy, but I do agree. It's one of the most reliably thrilling award shows. Yeah, that's the superlative. We have to give it. (laughs) I wrote the copy. I didn't write the copy. Uh, I only read. I only read the full copy when I agree with it. So okay, good. So now it's yours. You subsumed the copy. Okay, great. Well, I'm, you know, the writing. You know what it's like to write in um, Jimmy Kimmel's voice. That's true. Yes. Sometimes the copy feels very me. You know. Okay. Right. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So props thank to you. Brian who wrote the copy. <laughs> thank, yeah, you, okay. Brian. thank you, Brian. Thank you, Brian. 
Back to baby announcements. I want to be mad at Miss Cardi because I'm like, we're never going to get a tour. Mm. Oh, yeah, we're not. (laughs) But... She's never going to escape the clutches of that man, first of all. (laughs) But you know what? She seems to love being like a pregnant-ass rapper. So Mm -hmm. shout out to her for doing what she wants with her body. She looked good in that outfit. I love the cutout. Uh, At first, I was like, what the fuck are you wearing, girl? And then I was like, oh, she's pregnant. And then I was like, okay, this looks good. She's the Ali Wong of the rap world, which is a moniker she's never going to ever receive ever again. I feel a type of way about her choosing to be a professional hype man for Amigos. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like as if Takeoff doesn't exist. Yeah, because listen, and, and I love the song type shit. Like, and I actually like Culture 3. Like, I think Migos is very necessary for the culture. Uh, I think, you know, sometimes you just need some hood shit to turn on to enrich your day. Yeah. Uh, I love a new Migos album. But do I need to see them performing live? No. Mm. I do not. not. Not a single Migos has any stage presence. Whatsoever. Who was the one that worked with Madonna a bunch of times? Quavo? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hate that question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's been on my mind this weekend, too, because she performed at the Boom Boom Room in New York, which was mm. a quizzical situation. She did two songs. I'm sorry. This is not BET-oriented. No. And every gay who scammed access to the Boom Boom Room showed up in their uh, ASOS and Sheen outfits. You leave them alone. <laughs> <laughs> My God, fast fashion is accessible to some people. It's all they have. No, it's like most gay people right now dress like a kickball team on the moon. That's what they dress like. <laughs> Shiny shirt tucked into what? shorts. Yeah. Big pants. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the BT Awards. <laughs> the theme was Year of the Black Woman, which, <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about this with our friend Gus once. You could probably put together a supercut of every time someone on an award show says, what a great year for women. Yeah. Like every year someone says that. It's like, guys, what does that mean? Like w- women existed and you noticed them? It's such a weird, like, you think you're being novel, but this has been repeated 100,000 times. There's no meaning to that statement. It's the year of the black woman, and most of the black women that Issa mentioned weren't at the show. <laughs> so... <laughs> Z-Way was at home, so was Amber Ruffin. I will appreciate, though, that the um, ceremony really seemed like the first award show that was back to normal. Yes. Yeah. People were just sitting down. There was even an audience of, like, that crowd that's usually around performances um, next to the stage. So, And it was so refreshing because I remember BET Awards was, like, one of the first awards that we were, like, oh, shucks, this time last year. Mm -hmm. We have to be inside for this. So it felt, you know, it feels like we're pulling out. Out. But they turned it out last year, and I'm totally. like, did they learn much yeah. from, did people learn much from last year? A precedent was sent. It's my whole thing with, you know, a lot of the digital performances that we were getting during COVID uh, was I thought it was going to invite people to step it up a bit more, right? Uh, meanwhile, my girl, I love her down, that performance of thought shit, I was like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Uh, Megan had the best performance of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, last mm-hmm. year, like at the beginning of COVID. That concert was amazing. And then this is what we get. Yeah. It's also kind of a minor bop to me. You know, like mm-hmm. this was just very 
very Dua Lipa. Mm. I learned this choreography in 45 minutes, <laughs> which is what Dua said when um, her um, recent video came out. And I was like, girl, we know. <laughs> <laughs> we see it. If we're talking about Dua Lipography, we got to talk about Lil Nas X. I mean, I say this affectionately to the man because one, he is a supermodel and two, takes every award show performance as a time for a stunt, you know, in a Mm -hmm. Britney kissing Madonna sort of way, Yeah, which I appreciate. But man, he made Dua Lipa look like Alvin Ailey girl. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, listen, I I love the black excellence, the black gay excellence, and I want to support, and I love... I love the kiss at the end, mostly because I like a stunt like that at the BET Awards. Uh, and I also like that more so than even the Britney and Madonna and Christina kiss. Remember, mm, she was there. Yes, right. She was there, even <laughs> though the cameras didn't show her um, kissing Madonna. That one has more of a statement to make than like just salaciousness for salaciousness sake, you know? Definitely. Um, but... My first question was... Don't act like it wasn't a lesbian turning point, okay? It turned us all out. It helped. It helped. Oh, oh, okay. Go listen to some tattoo or whatever. (laughs) I don't know. Um, But I want to say that um, I do not get the theme, first of all. What does Michael Jackson's Remember the Time have to do with Call Me By Your Name? The answer better be nothing. Uh... (laughs) At this point... Lil Nas X, as, along with stunts, he just thematically does stunts. He just, everything conceptually has to be worth us talking about or he's not going to do it. Mm-hmm. The dress on the red carpet. Girl. Which also didn't look good. Well, talk your shit. R- remember the time, I will say, the video obviously has like a gilded palatial theme. And so mm-hmm. that sort of fits in with his performance, which also was giving me like, uh, giving me, here I go. Um, <laughs> Lion King and also Legends of the Hidden Temple. <laughs> <laughs> 1994 was represented, yes. <laughs> Big Olmec vibes. Um, I'm excited for the album, and the other song that came out after Call Me By Your Name was sort of like a non-factor, mm. that When the Sun Goes Down song. I don't even know what it's called. You know, like his, his sad prom song. Uh, very Olivia Rodrigo vibes. Yeah, the performance for me just like didn't really stick. Also, BET, multiple song performances. We got to stop. Just one, just show up, do your thing, and leave. I don't need to see these people be on the stage for this long. It's too long. Some people do stay on too long. I did not need DJ Khaled at the end. Too long. Um, bring it out, everybody. But I, I will just say lastly that um, I love Lil Nas X's team. Uh, obviously, I profiled him for Entertainment Weekly. Uh, I think a lot of the people on his creative team are interesting um, and have some really good ideas. Um, but I don't know, when you're still an artist in this sort of like big label machine, mm. it's it's hard to know like what decisions like you want to make, whether you need, need like the right people, like having a real creative conversation with you about what you're doing. Um, but mm. I didn't get the Michael Jackson stuff. The choreo also was not there. Uh, I like the kiss at the end, but at the end of the day, that's like, that's the reason to rewatch it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But nothing else about the performance is anything that I put on YouTube to rewatch. You know that kiss. I look. I might have to leave. Keep it to be his personal security guard at this point because he is fully <laughs> kissing men at the BET Awards, and I know it's some homophobic uncles screaming at the screen. Like it's just it does. Oh, absolutely. I know he's doing a lot for the culture. He is. I have to give Lil Nas that. It's it's amazing. But I'm worried about him. I absolutely <laughs> love it. But you know, I like at the end of the day, you also need something around the stunts because mm. years after the stunts, we we got to remember the content. You're right. You're right. Oh, Tyler is back. 
We have to talk about Tyler's lumberjack performance. Tyler the Creator was mm. maybe my favorite performance of the night. I think, I mean, he's already been brought to this station, this echelon, but I would really put him as like our modern Pharrell. Like he gives us so much. He gives mm-hmm. us so mm. much. He gave us an amazing Pharrell song on the album, Juggernaut. I know. I think Pharrell, he and Pharrell produced most of this project, right? Mm-hmm. As you guys know, we're probably, it's, it's everywhere. You can't escape it. But Call Me If You Get Lost is Tyler's most recent album drop. Amazing. So many great artists on it. I think conceptually it's not fully there the way like Igor is or Flower Boy, but I think that's the point. And that is why I enjoy it so much. It's kind of just a mishmash of the things he's been thinking about the past quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, wonderful. Wonderful project. Yeah. Loved him. Also enjoyed the City Girls. Mm-hmm. later. Yeah. They, they, they lip synced the hell out of that performance, but it was a lot of fun. It really did. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I love them. What about the philosophical question of the night? Did Queen Latifah come out? I, she's never said explicitly. She'd just be like, right. yeah, I got a girl and a kid. Happy Pride. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> like, like, I really enjoyed that. She did mention Ebony. She did mention her child with Ebony. It's that Jodie Foster Golden Globe speech thing where she is acknowledging her same-sex partner, but you would only know who that is if you've kept up with the speculation otherwise Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. other people have done on her behalf this conversation about did she come out or not i'm sorry i don't mean to be 2007 out magazine but (laughs) it is just like you could just say it you could just say it i don't know yeah yeah mm. no but i feel like also i at first i was like well so many young queer women could look to her and feel empowered but we don't need that we don't need we're not checking for queen latifah to be like yes i'm gay and now i'm like oh i can comfortably be gay on the podcast I just have to say that for me, I need it because right now I just feel like she's telling me to keep living single. And I don't know whether I can live with a partner. I think she's lying. Oh, my God. That's the thread you're taking us down? Okay. If you told me before, oh, we're getting like a medley tribute to Queen Latifah, I'm like, oh, have we seen that like at seven different award shows secretly? But we haven't. I feel like the the best songs in her catalog, you weirdly don't hear a lot anymore. Mm. So it was nice to revisit some of those. Because also... Queen Latifah is this interesting person where I feel like when she came on the scene, she was the most interesting. And ever since then, she's sort of, as she's become more mainstream and gotten acting projects, sort of become this like, I don't know about bland person, but less ferocious. And so I I like reflecting on that era. I recently visited her at 89 album, All Hell the Queen, which is sort Mm. of like house inspired. (laughs) And that's like an album I was digging into. And I'm like, this would, I mean, I don't know. It seems like an album that more people who are into like house music and like late 80s, early 90s hip hop, like you'd hear it on more playlists. Um, so revisit that album. It's very good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'd say that like, I don't know, a lot of our hip hop stars from that era really were a part of driving, you know, like a counterculture to white mainstream culture. And then mm-hmm. at a certain point became part of mainstream culture themselves. Like LL Cool J or something. Yeah, LL Cool J, even Ice Cube, you know? Mm -hmm. The thing with Queen Latifah is that she was never giving us like, I'm this crazy wild character. I'm going to be like a Missy Elliott or I'm like Khalees. Like she was always just, hey, I'm gay. I got big shoulders and I'll be rapping. Unity. (laughs) Ah, Like, Mm -hmm. and we love that. We love that for her. But then she went on to like, you know, being in Just Right and Last Holiday and these movies mm-hmm. where I'm like, these are kind of just Black Lifetime films that I'm interested in because of the cast, but they mm-hmm. weren't very good. Don't come for Last Holiday. I'm coming for it, girl. I'm Don't say Last it. Holiday wasn't very good. What was the point of that? What was the point of that? Why do they pair Queen Antifa with a bald nigga every time? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Why? What about uh, her screams that? 
Uh, who wouldn't want to be paired with LL Cool J's lips? I hate you. Baby, take the candle off. <laughs> I'm hot. Okay, I'm hot, and I need to be cooled down by James. Mm, I need LL, and that stands for lick. Lick. Yes! <laughs> she is an Oscar nominee, too. Would anybody in that park get nominated for an Oscar? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Now you cover from Nature and Mama Morton? <laughs> Y'all some haters today. I... It's just, it's on my mind. More proof. I'm going to add this to my geometric proof of Queen Latifah being gay. That movie. Okay, we got Chicago. We got her performance in Hairspray where she plays Motormouth Maybelle where mm. she's just a bachelorette the whole time. We should have mm. known she was gay. Ugh, she's wearing a caftan. It's so gay. Her partner was civil rights in Hairspray. That's right. Mm. She okay. was married to justice. I know where I've been and it's in some <laughs> pussy. So. <laughs> Well, when we're back, keep it. And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode. It is Keep It. I don't know what's going on in my mind this week. Mm. Like I was saying, I was angry at several things to y'all while we were off the mic. Tell far security bag drops. I don't mm-hmm. know. I can never get one. I'm so sick of these emails. They have a new bag every week. The, uh, constant emails. There's always a new color. It's the same color, too. They're like, here's the bag slightly smaller. Do you want it? You can't have it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I know all the damn people I see with bags. I know they're just buying them off eBay. Girl, I'm buying from these white resellers. I'm paying the price. I have no choice. I have no choice. <laughs> I'm like, listen, you already got your coins. Well, Venmo told me I could buy the bag because they're going to give me the $500. I'm going to win. Me, Lewis. <laughs> see, I could also I could also be like, keep it to everybody reposting Venmo's Instagram in a chance to win $100,000, but no one read the print, and it's not actually $100,000 you're winning. They're giving away $100,000. You could win five hundred. dollars Imagine losing your dignity. The spirit of junk mail. Yes. You really brought me back to the publisher's clearinghouse days. (laughs) What's very funny, too, is like, look, I'm not going to drag. Look, if you need $500, you need $500, but I'm telling you, Venmo ain't giving you any damn money. (laughs) Remember Cash App Friday? Yes, they're using you for free promo. Scored. For one. Um, two, you've listed your Venmo handle down there. So, like, I don't know, someone might start asking you for money. That's why y'all are blocked. <laughs> it reminded me of um, scams in general. I was just wondering to a friend yesterday, like, um, who are the people that still fall for, um, like, people who comment on your Instagram, like, um, DM me to collab, or like I can help you get followers, or I make like six hundred dollars an hour doing this like day job. Like those emails still go out too. You still see ads for them. Who's clicking on these? Well, it's like those voicemails you get that are from robots, actual robots, and they say things like, "Your file just came across my desk." Robots don't have desks. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Who is falling for scams? It's a it's a seven year old in Illinois right now that is offended that you are calling out her character like this. Okay. <laughs> it's mostly grandmas. They're trying their best. That's fair. That's fair. I think there have been many memes about how our parents were the generation that were always worried about us being corrupted on the internet. Right. And now they are the people who will like truly invite like a terrorist into their home by clicking on a link. <laughs> 
Oh, there was that movie about that. Uh, Nebraska, speaking of Aida here. Mm-mm. I'm not from there. I don't know why you would think that I'm from there. I never talk yeah. about it. So Anyway, Aida, what's your keep it this week? Girl, we gonna be surprised. No, probably not, because I have a tendency to like bad things on this podcast. However, do you? Do you really keep it? To, <laughs> hey, boo you, bitch! Keep it to my taste levels this week, because um, we we all know I love a cult classic, a Boss Baby, a Leap mm-hmm. Year, and Italian Job. You haven't named job. a cult classic yet. Yeah. Okay. Oh wait, Italian <laughs> Job. Yes, we have not thank talked you, about the Italian you. Job. Ed Norton did what needed to be done. Mm. Okay. Yes. Girl. I've considered theft ever since that movie, every day. Okay, I won't bore you guys with all that, but I went to, I took my way down to downtown, making my way downtown to the uh-huh. Regal, where I watched The Fast and Furious 9. Mm. Yes, the best piece of cinema I have seen in years. I am replenished. I am rejuvenated. It was hilarious. I've never been so entertained in my life. I'm so mad because I haven't seen it yet, and you I am a fast, you are uh, fast. aficionado. Yeah. I'm an and a fascinado, okay? Oh, that was okay. I'm gonna call that clever, actually. Thank no, I you. do I don't watch these movies, but I do think about Jordana Brewster and <laughs> people with you know, she's in the Jennifer Connolly club of like long straight hair and seems kind of mean, which is like my favorite kind of celebrity. Mm-hmm. So I wanna be intrigued with her. Um, I sometimes call her Gasoline Alley McGraw. That's my nickname for her, based on what she does in these movies. You can appreciate that pun or not. Uh, go ahead, Aida. What did you she think does. of the movie? <laughs> she, she does give, you know, like, stark femme fatale in this whole movie, jumping over shit in a bite. Like, it's it's all there. It's all there. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm sure I'm super behind on the saga. I, I have only seen this movie. I have not seen any of the other ones. Oh, my God. You haven't seen the others? I haven't seen a single other one. I know oh the first God. one is there's, like... There's, there's nine others. Girl, well... Because there's the eight before... Before Fast Nine, but then there's also Hobbs and Shaw, the spinoff. What? Yes, with Jason Statham and The Rock. Speaking of Africa, so Charlie Theron is in this, and the budget <laughs> for this movie, <laughs> the budget for this movie could feed a whole country. Okay, yeah. it's yeah. ridiculous. Everything is just so much CGI. I think a million cars explode. I've never seen a film like this. I've never. I'm always going for the slow, deliberate, emotional. Fuck those films. Ex Machina. Fuck you. I'm only watching Fast and Furious movies from here on forward. Are you kidding me? Oh, amazing. I was cackling the whole time. It's such a self-serious movie. It doesn't even know how funny it is. It's hilarious. I'm seeing it this week. I, so I want to be clear. The Keep It is to movies that cost under $300 million. Exactly. Get your okay. shit together. Show out. <laughs> Show out. I'm seeing it this uh, week because I really missed being able to go and see a movie that you're looking forward to in like the middle of the day. Mm. Yeah. And that's a Seeing a movie at like 11 a.m. used to be my jush. Your what? My jush. Girl, is this gay stuff or is this? That's gay stuff. Yeah. Uh, add it to the list. I've never heard this one. That's like Jasmine Masters always says her jush. But as in like Z H U Z H or whatever it's spelled like. J U S H. Oh, never mind. It's like a rendition of my jam, my shit, yeah. my thing. Yeah, my jush. My prerogative. Um, Helen Mirren's in this, right? In it, she is. And she's like driving a Lambo, et cetera. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her Oscar win is one I think about the most because that's the best, best actress here. Quickly. <laughs> it's Penelope Cruz in Volver, Meryl Streep in The Devil Wears Prada, Kate Winslet in Little Children, and uh, Judy Dench in Philomena. What a year. What a year. Anyway. <laughs> Helen Mirren's in it. She is, you know, whipping a vehicle with a stolen necklace on her way to a white party, an all-white party. Mm. And, and just calm. Just calm. Doing like 
Dale Earnhardt Jr. type tricks just frown on her face, her beautiful, beautiful face. She mm. looks amazing. She always does. People don't actually know that um, when Nicki Minaj raced with China, uh, Helen Mirren was also in the race. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> she, she came yeah. in like fourth or fifth. Yeah. 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 She was in the white Lamborghini really? just to race <laughs> with China and to lose to China. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Barely placed. Mm. Anyway. Lewis, what's your keep it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, my keep it is to people clapping back at Courtney Love for uh, getting a little rankled that Olivia Rodrigo, in the album art for her new concert film, Sour Prom, uses this uh, photo where she's holding a bouquet of flowers and crying, and Courtney Love put her album cover from Live Through This, the very famous whole album, next to it, and said... Hashtag twinning, and then on Facebook added that it was rude how close the copy was. Guys, Olivia Rodrigo did copy it. I'm sorry. It reminds me exactly of that album cover. And people calling Courtney Love rude. What is she supposed to say? I'm so pleased you stole this from me. That would be very weird of Courtney Love, would it not? Who, by the way, is one of the most legendarily, I was about to say petty, I'll say funny in a mean way about other artists in history. Look up her comments about literally one of my favorite celebrities who exists, Alanis Morissette from the mid-90s. The girl could not, she could not get Alanis Morissette out of her mouth for a time. <laughs> if you picked up a spin magazine, you were reading about Courtney Love being mad at somebody. You just know if you ran into her at like Chateau Marmont or something and sat down with her at the right time, she will go through the Rolodex of artists she's ever met and why they pissed her off. I mean, that's just the nature of her. So I think people should just accept that the album cover is a little bit of a steal. I accept it. But I will also say that people are constantly inspired by other people. And I get calling it out. But I will also say that two things are true at once. Courtney was being rude as hell. <laughs> because this girl is 18. Courtney Love is damn near 60. What? I loved loved the, you know, the like the twinning comment. And I love, you know, uh, when when Olivia Rodrigo commented, uh, oh my God, Courtney Love, I love you so much. I thought the first response was funny when she was like, um, thank you. My favorite florist is in Edinburgh or whatever. I'm like, okay, that's funny. And then she's like, I'm expecting a note. I'm not writing you no damn note. (laughs) Bitch, what? Don't tell me to write you a note, Courtney Love. Children don't know handwriting anymore. Stop asking for that. Yeah. <laughs> also, I would posit that maybe she was also copying um, Jawbreaker. Oh. Uh, all right. Point. All right. A movie I don't I need just, to see again. Didn't love it. I just think the sad girl at prom mascara running on your face is not that original of an idea for Courtney Love to be like, I own the rights to this. And I don't think Olivia Rodrigo is the one who did her creative design for that project. So there's just so many things. I'm sure it went up. She had to go... Olivia had to Google Courtney Love. I'm sure. I'm very sure of it. She's 18. There's no way she understood what was going on. I'm sure she's listened to some Courtney Love. Maybe for reference tracks for her project. Well, yes, absolutely. You know she likes celebrity (laughs) skin. Come on. I was about to say, oh, it reminds me of Jennifer's Body, the movie, which is in fact named after a Courtney Love song. There's the crap. I mean, it's a bit sort of like when uh, FK Twigs called out Lil Nas X. Um, team for you know like the copying her video we'll call me by your name and then we got a mm-hmm. cute interaction between them but yeah I mean listen the young stars are just they have teams 
who are doing things, you know? And yeah, that's how it happens. It, it's a little too close for me. I'm a little <laughs> wrinkled. Yeah, you got to steal from dead people. That's what it is. Exactly. Okay? Okay? Bob Fosse is not going to be, like, dragging Beyonce. Right, right, right. For, for doing Rich Man's Frug um, <laughs> in um, the Get Me Vati video. Okay. <laughs> By the way, I still don't feel it is common knowledge that a lot of Michael Jackson's style and dance moves are perhaps lifted from Bob Fosse performing in the Little Prince movie. When you watch, the, literally, the moonwalk is in it. It's so interesting. A lot of people, I don't think people know. Look up the Little Prince movie. You won't believe what you say. I'm not looking up the Little Prince movie, Lois. <laughs> 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 I Stuck on your own planet, just like the Little Prince. Yeah. Uh. I, another keep it is to um, celebrity liquor brands. Mm, I, I am sick of this desperately. Yes. Hey, remember, hey, be careful. You know, Ciroc sponsors us, so you got to be careful <laughs> what you say. I would never drag Ciroc. That's true. Because I think that a peach Ciroc goes extremely well with simply peach juice. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Reveal Diddy with a gun to your head right now. <laughs> Diddy, I love Ciroc. <laughs> um, Ciroc, I mean, there's some that are, that are good. We talked about this a bit two weeks ago when we talked about Kendall Jenner and her 818 tequila, whatever. Mm. But, um, everybody is trying to get into this liquor business, you know, to get some extra coin. Uh, but I think that what celebrities sort of don't know is that you, you want to associate them with it, or it has to be so good that we're not even thinking about a celebrity being behind it. Mm -hmm. I think that so many people don't know that George Clooney was one of the people behind Casamigos, right? I thought everybody knew that, but go, jaw go drop. Ahead. No, my jaw's on the ground. I didn't know this. Yeah, see? Big so shock A lot of people don't know that. So it, you either are drinking it because of the celebrity connection, or it has to be like so good and permeate the culture in an interesting way. Um, it reminds me of when Turtle tried to start a celebrity liquor brand on Entourage. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, this is all to say that um, Michael B. Jordan recently started one, um, and he was dragged to hell, and he is changing <laughs> the name of his liquor brand. <laughs> <laughs> the brand is called, in French, I would call it Uve, uh, but the French patois pronunciation of Michael B. Jordan's rum brand is Juve, you know, which is um, a phrase borrowed from the um, start of Carnival in the Caribbean, uh, and he was accused of cultural appropriation um, because he tried to um, trademark the name in the same way that, like, Kim Kardashian tried to trademark Kimono. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I don't believe she created the first one, if I'm, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm mistaken. So, either way, the phrase was not his to use, apparently. And in the trademarking of it, you know, when you try to trademark a word, you sort of have to claim that, like, it has no cultural significance. And that's why you can <laughs> use it. Uh, and people weren't too happy with that. Uh, which ma really makes it feel like my um, keep it should be to celebrities trying to trademark things. Mm. Yeah. Don't you have enough? Because you remember when Kylie Jenner tried to trademark the name Kylie? 
And Kylie Minogue was like, absolutely not. <laughs> That's the beginning of my Joker story right there, hearing that. <laughs> Defending the real Kylie's honor. <laughs> and, uh, and other Kylie's. Remember the model Kylie Bax? There are other Kylie's yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only reason this story came to my um, attention anyway is because um, Nicki Minaj posted about it. Of course she did. Miss Harajuku yes. Barbie herself? Miss Chopstick <laughs> in the hair? That one? Okay. Um, that's Miss King Kong to you. Chun-Li. <laughs> chun She posted an Instagram of someone dragging him uh, for it. Uh, and she commented, I'm sure MBJ didn't intentionally do anything he thought Caribbean people would find offensive. But now that you are aware, change the name and continue to flourish and prosper. Which is a sweet way to put that, but um, I do want to point out that if anyone told Nicki Minaj to do anything like that, she would send the barbs after them to murder them in their sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And you know what? That is called, you know, being a three-dimensional character. Yeah, it's her world. This is the year of the black woman. We can be complex. Exactly, exactly, exactly. We could be complex i was not saying me as in like i can be one Black of them woman, Lewis, oh, it's me. Are, yeah. are, are you that girl <laughs> i actually tell me am you're that girl that girl tell That's me you're that girl <laughs> i i do say vertel with the fake french pronunciation maybe i should be lumped into this conversation who knows <laughs> i do forget it's vertel isn't it right like but, turtle uh, yeah keep it down keep it down yes just like from entourage <laughs> <laughs> Uh, don't drag me for referencing Entourage. Um, I've been thinking about Entourage all week. I did think I saw Jeremy Piven at a at an Air One. It was not him, and I embarrassed myself. Entourage. <laughs> what it gave was male sex in the city. Mm-hmm. Debbie Mazar culture, please. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Without that, we wouldn't have Debbie Mazar on Younger, and without that, we wouldn't have Debbie Mazar's cautious comments on Madonna's Instagram. Her cautious support. <laughs> yeah. I do constantly wish that I was at Erwan more um, because I feel like Phineas is always there. Oh, is he? Wait, of Phineas and Billie Eilish fame? Yeah. Like, he's uh-huh. always like... No, Ferb th- and Ferb fame. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, I want to see that, Phineas, okay? <laughs> I want to see Ed, Ed, and Eddie at Erwan. So many okay? days of summer vacation, <laughs> figuring out how to spend it at Erwan. Uh Remember when Erwan was the hotbed for uh, like anti-vax and like stop the steal conservatives and QAnon mm. people? Yes, oh. yes. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. It bothers me because it's nowhere yeah. backwards except two of the letters are switched, and oh, I just wish it. I just wished it worked out actually. Yeah. You know what I've been wondering? Do you think Adam Levine stormed the Capitol? Anyway, we'll figure that out next week. Uh, <laughs> thank you to Nico Anon for joining us. <laughs> this was keep it. Keep It is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Caroline Reston and Brian Semmel is our associate producer. Our executive producer is Ira Madison III. I think I've heard of him. Our editor is Bill Lance and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to our digital team, Matt DeGroote, Nar Melkonian, and Milo Kim for production support every week. Stay safe. Be blessed. God loves you. For over 130 years... McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night. No matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale. Even if you get to it last minute. 
and craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. <laughs> 